This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A, a, a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown, Giants! From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one Giant Giants step. All right, let's go. Let's get draft month started aboard one giant step. WFAN and Odyssey exclusive New York Giants weekly podcast. I am Sean Morris, your host. We deep dive into April and close the book on, well, not totally, but close the book on the bulk of free agency. There's still some, you know, little moves coming here or there. And maybe we even talk about numbers and the fact that Paris Campbell is going to be wearing this number zero. How disgusting is that? But still, there's time to fill out the draft boards and look ahead to the Giants draft needs, of which they have plenty. Joining us now, you can follow him on Twitter, at NFL Draft Bible. You can check out all of his work at allaccessfootball.com. Sign up for his newsletter there. NFL draft intelligence used by all 32 NFL teams. Rick Saratel is so good at supplying that. Rick, what's up, man? Welcome aboard One Giant Step. Glad to have you, bro. John, oh, baby, buckle up. What an introduction, man. And I just want to give you a big kudos and congratulations. The brand is growing. The it family is. is growing. I see everything just getting bigger. Actually, you you look like you lost a few pounds, which is rare in this business, my friend. I, I shockingly, yes. Shock. Well, what happened is I didn't start doing more food shopping, and I had two kids that are trying to eat just as much as uh, me. So luckily, those second helpings of pasta are going right to them. So I think that's helping just just a little bit, Rick. And you know what? I had a winning football season for my favorite team, so it was a lot less stress eating pizza on Sundays. Now a lot more celebratory Jameson shots after games and stuff like that. Yeah. But still, still much different. You and Daniel Jones, right? That's it. That's <laughs> it. Well, well, Rick, before we get into, uh, obviously, the full drip board, you just mentioned Daniel Jones. Obviously, you know, you observe everything from afar here. You are a local guy in the New York, New Jersey area, as many of our FAN listeners do know. Let me just start with this. There was a time at, well, let's face it, at this time last year, we thought that this build up to the draft would be about where are the Giants in that draft position? What quarterback can they realistically target, whether in their draft position or to trade up to? Amazingly, they are not in on these quarterbacks. They have instead signed Daniel Jones to a relatively long-term deal with the opportunity to get out after two years. Let's see how that goes. I am more of a believer than some are, but hey, look, it's hard to discredit what he did last year. And we'll talk about what they could do around him this year. Where do you stand? And are you shocked that we are sitting here on draft month now and the Giants now are not in position to be drafting a quarterback? They're not positioned to draft a quarterback, Sean. 
I, I think Daniel Jones has proven he can win football games in the National Football League, and that was something a year ago at this time, at this juncture, we were all questioning. Joe Shane and Brian Dayball included. Remember, they signed Tyrod Taylor, familiar face, just yeah. in case, right? Things didn't pan out. They didn't pick up that option. And Daniel Jones did what he had to do. He went out and proved it. Now, you know, the, the question, the big question will be, with all that film on tape, can he stay ahead of the curve? You know, three wins down the last 10 games or so. I felt like the defensive coordinators might have caught up to him. But the Giants have to continue to surround him with playmakers, continue to build up that offensive line. All things I think they've done a good job of, but they still don't have a true playmaker. Who's that numero uno go-to guy? And I think that's what Daniel Jones needs, whether it's through free agency or the draft, remains to be seen. I am probably got a little bit of egg on my face, quite frankly, for being a Daniel Jones detractor. I, okay. I was I was in that boat, right? And so while I'm not ready to put him in the top 10, he's also not in the bottom 10, if you know what I mean. Right. So they obviously had Darren Waller now a couple weeks ago here at this point. Now, that's not a wide receiver, but it's when healthy can certainly service as one in Brian Dable's offense. So as we approach, you know, the draft season with the Giants sitting at 25, you know, I want to kind of go in depth on some of the wide receivers with you in a second, but the Giants also still have a gaping hole at center. They better hope that Evan Neal last year, second of two first rounders, is the the right guy at right tackle as well. Uh, what do you think, you know, or where should the Giants, I think bet, the better point is, value need versus best player available when it comes to pick 25 here, knowing how much they need to still build around Daniel Jones here? Yeah, I think the NFL is so fluid from season to season that you you, you got to try to get the best available talent, right? Talent right. wins out in the national football league. You start reaching for needs. I think that's where you get yourself burnt, especially in the first round. Right. I think with the cornerback position, right? The cornerback is very healthy, very wealthy. There's depth for day, for days, but right. these guys are going to come off the board fast, furious. Like if, if, if you're hanging out, waiting on day two, thinking you're going to get one of these top-tier cornerbacks, it's not happening. And to me, the Giants do have a need in the secondary. I think they could solidify themselves at cornerback in round one. I wouldn't, you know, I saw Jackson Smith and Jigba as a guy. They're hot to trot on. I wouldn't be opposed to that just because I think he is the number one playmaker in this NFL draft. Now, at 25, will he be around? Probably not. Zay Flowers is a guy. That they that that the Giants have at least inquired about. I'm not as high, you know. I look at the wide receiver position. I want an outside guy. I want a guy who can play the boundary. Yeah, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba can do that. Jordan Addison, more of a gadget guy. Zay Flowers, more of a slot guy. Jalen Hyatt, more of a one-trick pony, and it's a very good trick, which is speed. Right. Right. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. Uh, you know? So Rick, I'm glad you mentioned Jalen Hyatt. So the thing I look at with these wide receivers, and you nailed it, right? The Giants free agency also has told us. Last year, they spent a second-round pick on Wandell Robinson, which felt like a little bit of a surprise there, right? I mean, they could have gotten Watson in that spot. Um, Obviously, you you talk about Sky Moore was another guy that was hot at that time available. And the Giants go Wandell Robinson, uh, an injury-plagued first year, but he's a short, gadget-type slot receiver. Now, they can't be expecting, if they are, they're fools. They can't be expecting anything out of Sterling Shepard on the veterans minimum coming back. He's, you know, basically a glorified cheerleader for them at this point. 
They do sign Paris Campbell, who could play inside and outside, but again, another short guy. This is a team with basically outside of the speed of Slayton, which drops a ton of balls, or you know Isaiah Hodgins' route running, don't have that outside threat. When you look at this draft class, you mentioned Hyatt with the speed. That's the guy I look at at 25 if he's there as, you know, that kind of selection that could help the Giants. These other guys, and obviously Jackson Smith and Jigba is a little different, but he probably won't be there. You know, Giants a little bit in danger here of falling in love with a wide receiver, another one of these short wide receivers and going too much of that mold. And maybe as a result, wide receiver won't be their first round selection just because of those type of wide receivers being what is available. Yeah. I, you know, I want to impact guy. I want a guy that's going to play right away and outside of Jackson Smith and Jigba. I don't know of all the, you know, again, Zay flowers, he's an impact guy, but he's a situational guy. Right. Jalen Hyatt, is he really ready to start? I don't think so. And so to me, that's that's the issue here. Like in, in round one, you want an immediate impact guy. I think you can get a plug and play cornerback. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Can get a plug and play starting offensive line. Do you really want to draft a wide receiver who might play 15 to 25 snaps? That's not and- really a good investment on a first round pick. And, and, and it's really not a luxurious draft for the wide receiver position. And I feel like, you know, a lot of Giants fans do think the tight end position is kind of solidified with Darren Waller. I'm probably in the minority where I feel like, you know, the red flag signal is there. You're there. Yeah. The the red flag's there. The the Raiders gave up on him for like almost nothing. I'm a little bit leery there. I like Bellinger maybe as a two or three, but – Man, the tight end playmakers, like you add a Darnell Washington with Waller. Yeah, I mean. That's more alluring to me than adding Jalen Hyatt. Like, which which is why, Rick, I want to get into the corners in just a second, which is why I think it will be corner when you think about where they're drafting and the way that the draft probably will fall. And I wonder when you bring up Waller, okay, and the way that the Waller, uh, not really a restructure, but the way his contract has worked and he's redone, reworked some of his deal, the way they just signed an injury plague Paris Campbell, though he was healthy last year. Sterling Shepard, as I mentioned, back on one year. Wandell, who knows, coming off the ACL. It feels like the Giants are not committed too much long-term to the playmakers and basically will have room to maneuver should they be in the draft spot next year where a bigger wide receiver could become available. And I wonder if they've built up, and they just signed Jamison Crowder too, I wonder if they've built up this wide receiver room to say, you know what? We're going to get a bunch of guys. We hope four or five are healthy. We're going to be a little deeper than we were last year, even if it's not sexier than we were last year. If Waller's healthy, that provides us the big playmaker. But let's not reach for a wide receiver that doesn't fit what we're looking for. Instead, focus where this team, again, has a million other needs. You mentioned the offensive line, but cornerback is a huge one. Rick, this could be the last year for a Dory Jackson on their contract. I don't know how you felt looking at the draft last year on Cordell Flott, a guy they spent the third round pick on, but when he played late in the year, he needs to bulk up because he can't play in run protection at all, but he was decent in coverage. But this is a team clearly with a glaring need for another starting caliber cornerback. And I think that, you know, every mock draft I read at 25, and you now have alluded to this in a couple different answers, cornerback might be the perfect marriage for the Giants back in that back half of the first round. 
Yeah, and remember, Sean, they might be getting the fourth or fifth corner off of the board, but this is a guy, whether it's Emmanuel Forbes, who kind of has that skinny, wiry frame, but plays excellent man coverage in that Wink Martindale scheme, he would be very good pick. You know, now where where did he go to college? That was not a guy I had done my research on. Yeah, so he was uh what Mississippi State. Mississippi State's corner. Okay. Yeah, Forbes, and he came in six foot, but only 166 pounds. Right. Another light guy, like flawed is light. That's what we're worried about. Yeah. So, but you know, after you get past like Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State, Kristen Gonzalez from Oregon, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, we know they're gonna be off the board. Right. Right. So after that, it's that second tier, right? Like Cam Smith from South Carolina has size, length, a little bit light, but he can play inside, outside, played some special teams. Uh, Kaylee Ringo is a guy from Georgia who I think is also in that category. Played a lot of big games too. A lot of big games, big time pedigree. Deontay Banks from Maryland. I mean, this guy has come on like gangbusters and really both of the Maryland corners, like Banks at 25. And then remember day three, the Giants have seven picks like Jacorian Bennett out of Maryland, opposite of Deontay Banks is a guy that is just as fast, maybe not as good in coverage, but you talk about a guy, if you don't get a corner on day one, Deontay Banks would be a great target. And he came on, he played lockdown corner, he tested through the roof. Like that would be a great day one target, but Jacorian Bennett, maybe a day three target. And day two, like at 57 or 89, I think they're looking at O-line, but if they bypass corner, why not look at Clark Phillips from Utah? This guy had a bunch of pick six interceptions, I think six for his career. Um, Garrett Williams from Syracuse is another guy I like. He had a torn ACL. He was talked about as a first round pick at five foot 11, 192 pounds. He could play a slot role for the Giants. So um, those are some guys, you know, that the Giants could be targeting. The, the cornerback, is so deep, but if you want a top tier guy, I, I, I do think round one is where you got to get him. Yeah, Deontay Banks has been a guy, you know, tied to the Giants a bunch, you know, for obvious reason, right? Need sure. and the area in which he'd be selected by, uh, you know, any one of these draft nicks that you would follow. And and on that, Rick, would you say that cornerback is the position where you think the most first rounders will be selected of any position. You probably figure four quarterbacks off the board. We mentioned a bunch of those wide receivers, but you know, you've rattled off at least five corners there that could all go in round one. This does feel like a cornerback heavy draft. And I have to wonder if maybe that makes, I, I guess, you know, the giants sit back and go, do we sit at 25? Do they dare trade up a couple spots if they see the corners flying? I wonder if they really are in love with a corner, if that changes the way they approach at 25 to move up, if that many are going to go in round one. You know, I don't know if they have the ammunition or the want to, to move up to get a top tier corner. Right. Right. Because we're not talking about elite, like sauce Gardner was an elite kind of corner. Uh, these corners are pretty good. I just don't know if the Giants want to give up that draft equity because I feel like you can, in the first round at 25, still get a pretty good corner. To your point, yeah, I think five, at least five, maybe six corners, at least four, maybe five quarterbacks if you throw 
Hendon Hooker into the equation could be five. And offensive tackles is a tricky one because they always get pushed up the board. Oh, yeah. You might not see one in the top 10. You might see five come off the board between 10 and 20. Right. That's how Alex Leatherwood goes as high as he did to the the Raiders that year. There's no doubt about it. Now, interior offensive line, if we could transition there. As it stands right now, Rick, the Giants really do not have a starting center on their roster. They had two centers last year. Obviously, John Feliciano was here for a year. He leaves. He heads out west. And Nick Gates, who was their center for a couple of years before having that gruesome leg injury, came back last year. Many could argue he could have won comeback player of the year. Played some guard, a little bit of center. He goes and plays for the Commanders now. The Giants invested a third-round pick in Josh Azudu, a guard out of North Carolina last year who had some, you know, growing pains but played well and and showed growth before he got shut down essentially he probably is slotted in to slide at left guard they have Mark Lewinsky as a free who's not that great obviously from a year ago from the Colts he's going to probably play right right guard but that you know starts to question the interior of that offensive line they have Ben Bredesen there as well who had a pretty good year maybe he takes some snaps at center but the bottom line is this they don't have an obvious starting center on the roster so when we talk about need versus best player available I'm just curious on the interior offensive lineman I'm not sure that you could take a center like a John Michael Schmitz uh, there. That seems to be one of the top centers in the draft at 25. That could be a trade back or, you know, are the giants already showing their hand that that is likely their round two day two selection there at center. Where do you look at, you know, the interior offensive line and the giants needs here, Rick? Well, I think they have the potential to upgrade all three of the interior positions there, you know, and I know some of these guys, Lewinsky has played adequate, but I think not flashy at all. Right. Yeah, right. There's room for improvement for sure. So, like, I've seen the Giants get center mocked to them in the first round. I get it. Like, Joe Tipman out of Wisconsin got a stout anchor, great athleticism, technically sound, all deserving of going around one. I like John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota. I'm a big believer in that wrestling, grappling background. I mean, this guy's all state. Uh, Reminds me of Linderbaum a year ago, like that. Oh, man. He is great with the hand placement. And again, I'm just another technician, right? So like both of those guys make sense. But I think like the center position, there's some value here. Interior offensive linemen, there's some value here. And like Steve Avila, TCU, he's got great upper body strength. His lower body needs to catch up with him, but he could start. I prefer him at guard. He has some experience at center, but that position flexibility might be appealing. Luke Whipler from Ohio State is a guy I think the Giants have met with or interviewed with here leading up to the draft. He's got some position versatility. But my favorite guy at center, my favorite guy, he might go on day three, John Gaines out of UCLA. Okay. And, you know, I work with the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. We have Hall of Fame offensive line coaches like Jackie Slater, Anthony Munoz, uh, guys like this. And they're telling me this John Gaines is so smart. He's so flexible. He's so versatile. He started at tackle. He started at guard. But he came to the NFL PA Bowl and played a magnificent center. And he actually got called up to the East-West Shrine Bowl because he was so impressive throughout the week. This is a plug-and-play guy. He's going to outperform countless other centers that go ahead of him. And I was going to say plug and play. And you think he could be like a round three type guy. He might go on day three, Sean. I mean, he's so far under the radar 
And his teammate, too. He's got a I, guy. I believe Creed Humphrey, by the way, that when he got drafted, he might have been a day three guy, and he was plug and play and has been awesome since coming into the league, too. So that just goes to show you, too, don't you know, freak out. The Giants could get any number. You know, that does happen in the draft. You are allowed oh, to yeah. find starters on day three, Rick. Oh, definitely. Without a doubt. And, and just sticking to the interior, because I do think at, like, 57 or 89, like, Cody Mock from North Dakota State at 57, Makes a lot of sense. And I know he played tackle at North Dakota State. I think he'd be a great guard at the next level. Same thing with Tyler Steen from Alabama. Like, he's got position versatility. Giants clearly don't need a tackle right now, we think. But, you know what? A swing tack, you know, the versatility matters. It definitely yeah. matters. And, and Dable likes a, a lot of guys who play a lot of positions. And I'll, and I'll, throw, I'll throw one or two more out there. And, and I, saw, I saw our good friend Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl mm -hmm. Highlight Joey Fisher out of Shepard. And I'm happy about that because the where story, the heck is Shepard, Rick? Where the heck is Shepard? It's, it's right down there, nestled between West Virginia, Virginia, Virginia Tech, right in that. Was he the only student there? I well, <laughs> never you know, heard of anybody believe, calling Shepard. Believe it or not, you know, they had this quarterback by the name of Tyson Badgett who got invited to the senior bowl. And and he almost transferred to West Virginia. But he stayed at Shepard. He, he rewrote the record book, D3 standout. So all the scouts were flocking to Shepard. And they were saying, yo, who's this blindside left tackle that's, that's protected him? And so he came out to Pasadena, played so well, the scouts urged us to push him up to the Senior Bowl, and we did. Now, here's a guy who gets it. Like, Sean, he could have left and went straight to Mobile. Like, hey, right. my, job, my job here is done, right? He said, no, you know what, Rick, I'm going to stay for the game. I'm going to play. And then I'm going to go handle my business at the Senior Bowl. Now, that's great. He, he breaks his hand in the game, Sean. Oh, <laughs> second I know play, the story. Second play of the game, he breaks his hand. Oh, And he goes down to Mobile. He still did some practice and stuff. But, man, this kid is so tough. And you love it. Like, D3, he was IHOP. All week long, serving up pancakes to the Power Five, Alabama, LSU. They were on their back like turtles looking up at the sky after dealing with Joey Fisher out of Shepard. It is interesting. Right. They would have to kick to the inside because willingly, you know, Evan Neal has to work at a right tackle. If he doesn't, the Giants could be in serious trouble there. So, Rick, when, when it comes to that, and we talked about the Daniel Jones investment here for a second, you just ripped off a ton of help on the interior offensive line. We talked about maybe some of the limitations the Giants might find at wide receiver. Um, I think you and I both sit right now currently in lockstep at a 25. It feels like corner is probably the best play if the draft board falls the way it probably should. But when we talk about day two and hitting on starters in day two, do you think it is more imperative for the Giants to fix that interior offensive line or get him another playmaker at the wide receiver position? What is best for Daniel Jones? Maybe, you know, we could probably say in the long term it's the offensive line, but the immediacy of the team continuing to be a contender next year, uh, which is more important to this team? Well, I think, first of all, you got to let the board fall to you. But to your point, I think first and foremost, you need to keep Daniel Jones upright. You need to give yeah. him an extra half a second to get rid of the ball because if you can do that i don't care who you have catching the ball he's going to be able to see the, the field better he's going to be better at decision making and you've seen guys like isaiah hodgins i mean this guy was an undrafted free agent second team he comes over to the giants he's doing great 
right? Right. I mean, we yeah. can great route runner, right? Right. Right. There's some band aids here, like the Paris Campbell is a band aid, but he can blow the top off of the defense. You need more guys like that. Jamison Crowder, like what a savvy veteran pickup. He's going to go about his business, catch 40 balls, make right. a bunch of first downs, move and upgrade game. over Richie James for sure. Yeah, right. And so, but what, what the Giants showed you is that the scheme and the system can work. It doesn't matter necessarily who those targets are. Now, would a bona fide playmaker make a big difference? Absolutely. But otherwise, you can't force it if it's not there. Right. Yeah, right. You want to see who falls to you. But like Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma and Parker Washington from Penn State, like a lot of people talk about Zay Flowers from Boston College. Like, I'm not sure Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma isn't that much of a significant significant drop-off. Right. A lot of people like Josh Downs out of North Carolina. I'm not as a big of a fan. Slot guy, small guy, the frame. Like, there's too right. many of those guys already on the Giants roster. And we've seen wide receivers, by the way, rounds two and three, turn out to be total stud wide receivers in the NFL on many of these teams in recent years. So it doesn't necessarily have to be top of the board first round if the Giants need to figure out the interior of the offensive line. When talking about, you know, what we just talked about with the interior offensive line, corner, wide receiver, all the depth in the draft, taking all the positions into account, the Giants have been lucky enough to find guys like uh, Dane Belton last year in round four. We talked about Daniel Bellinger. They have found players in recent memory now. Julian Love, when he was on the team, was a fifth-round pick. What positional value in this entire draft, not necessarily even for the Giants, do you think is the deepest where you're like, man, you're going to find a player at this position round four or five that probably should have gone higher because of how deep it is, and, and this you know, could be a starter. Uh, you know, What position are we looking at on that day three where you're like, look out for guys, you know, basically playing that position to get drafted that late. Well, I, I don't want to beat the dead horse at the cornerback position, but I do want to give a couple day three gems that I think they, Rick's a corner agent here, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and I think there was like a record, like 37 cornerbacks taken last year. But <laughs> man, I'll tell you, listen to this. Riley Moss out of Iowa. A lot of people thought he was a safety and went down at Mobile, really played uh Excellent man-to-man coverage. I think he would be an excellent fit in Wink Martindale's system. Corey Trice out of Purdue, size, speed, physicality. Uh, so I just want to throw those names out there. How about linebackers, since we haven't talked a lot yeah. about that? And I think the Giants could be looking at a linebacker. I like this kid, Henley, out of Washington State. I think that I think he might be around at 89 for the Giants, day two, uh, plug-and-play guy. He was just moving at a different speed. At the and, and Joe Shane has already tipped his hand last year taking two linebackers. That feels like a position he has no problem taking a bunch of swings on and trying to, you know, accumulate bodies. And I'll tell you what, late in the draft, like there's this kid out of Ashland University, Michael Ayers. I think he's going to start at the next level. Ashland? Jeez. Bro, he came out, he got a, he tore his ACL senior year of high school. He was like 160 pound defensive back. Comes to Ashland, packs on 40 to 50 pounds. Now, he wasn't invited to the Combine, but back in the spring, scouts went into – he ran a 4-5-40 at linebacker. Jeez. He can play linebacker. He can play safety. He's a chess piece. He's going to get drafted. Okay, Marte Mapu out of Sacramento State. He got injured at his pro day. He's a non-Combine guy who would have went in the fourth or fifth round, okay, 
that you can you can you can find. He might go undrafted now because of the injury. These are guys you can find on day three. Mikel Jones out of Syracuse. I remember Sean Bradley coming out of Temple. Mikel <laughs> Jones, clone, special teams, stud, backup linebacker. So there's some depth. Baldonado, I got to give a shout-out to my Italian paisan because he moved over from Rome, Italy, junior year of high school. Very raw, right? But hey, man, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, OCU Minura and uh, Strahan both didn't play right. a lot of uh, high school ball and ended up being pretty damn good giants for a long yes. time. I yes. love it. And he's exactly that kind of developmental upside guy right here in the Northeast out of Pitt. So, you know, Titus Leo right there in Staten Island out of Wagner, you know, uh, linebacker who was playing the, the Bruce Smith seven technique. Four, four seven games. tech. Yeah, yeah, right. All the way outside, right? So there's a lot of value. And I'll, I'll tell you, on offense, like the Saquon Barkley situation, Sean, oh, regardless Rick, of what happens. Rick, you are walking me into what was going to be my final question. So let me just set this yes. up. Yes. Saquon Barkley right now, the report for any Giant fan listening, this is One Giant Step Again, hosted by Sean Morris, shown by Rick Saratella. Joe Shane has admitted that he has pulled the long-term offer he gave Saquon. And why wouldn't he? Because it was rumored to be anywhere between 12 and 13 mil. Christian McCaffrey obviously making 15 mil. So who knows what Saquon was looking for. But I say that because clearly the running back market has shown you're an idiot if you're paying anybody 12 or 13 mil. Uh, just look, even Pollard and and uh, who, oh, Josh Jacobs with the Raiders, they're going to play on their franchise tags. The market's not there. So $10 million a year for a franchise tag, that seems what Saquon should make. I say that. Now, this could be the last year Saquon Barkley plays as a New York John. If he plays out one year in the franchise tag and they let him walk, the Giants' history has shown you can go get running backs in the mid to late rounds. And all I keep hearing and reading is how deep the running back position is, which is, I think, what you were going to walk me into. Don't be shocked if the Giants take a guy to learn under Saquon for a year and boom, we find out in 2024 this guy's the lead back on the team. No, absolutely. Great minds think alike. And that's exactly where I was trending with, with the next point I was going to make is like, regardless of Barkley's back or not, like they need another running back in the mix. Like Matt Breida, okay, good athlete, nice, you know, nice little player, but like that's just not the guy, right? Like should something happen to say, like that's just not the guy. Yeah. And, and so like, yeah, there's, there's incredible depth. Like, first of all, let's just talk about the scenario, right? At 25, but John Robinson's a top five, maybe top three player for me in this year's draft. So, like at twenty five, I, I mean, you got to consider that, right? No, I mean, look, I know what you're saying. That would be a tough pill for Joe Shane to walk back to the Giant fan base, taking a running back in the first round. That that I know twenty five is different than two, but yeah. that put a real stain on Dave yeah. Gettleman from the get go. Half price, anyway. <laughs> later on in the draft, though, like Chase Brown. And even Sidney Brown at safety for the Giants. I like both. I love these guys. It, it's the Canadian invasion. Uh, you know, Chase <laughs> Brown is just a hard-nosed, tough, between-the-tackles runner who can cut it outside if he needs to. Brett Bielema plays smash-mouth football there at Illinois. Chase Brown would be a great fit. How about Zach Charbonnet? You, we talked about UCLA. Zach Charbonnet reminds me of James Conner. So – if I told you you can have nice James Conner yeah. in the third or fourth round, like say with that 128th pick, that's a slam dunk. If you could get a James Conner in that right, right, exactly, right, and he can take away some of that short yardage 
Like, you want to avoid Saquon being at the bottom of these piles. And Daniel Jones, by the way. Yes, that's a great point. And I'll give you, you know, Evan Hull out of Northwestern, this guy just grows on me. Five foot 11, 210 pounds, runs a 4440. You know what? You know what I like? Every time he touched the ball during practice at the senior bowl, he took it to the house. Like he just had to run it to the end zone. And and they kept track. Like I think, I think Evan Hull like outran every player in Mobile by like five football fields by the end of the week. Like he just we know they're Kafka and Dable looking for speed on that offense. So I mean speed kills. And and he's a good and I'll give you one other guy, Sean, not too far from me at the Jersey Shore in Mammoth, Owen Wright. I mean, this guy plays all four downs. He had about uh, 16 touchdowns this past season. I think he's the best short yardage runner. He can block. He can catch. Plays all four special teams units. Like, the Giants have their finger on the pulse and players in their own backyard. He's not going to get drafted. But don't be surprised if Owen Wright winds up in training camp come August. Yeah, and they had a running back by the name of Jay Sean Corbin out of Florida State who was a guy who, you know, stuck around as an undrafted rookie last year. So the Giants obviously are no strangers to that. He is the New Jersey Mel Kuyper. Everywhere from Shepard to Ashland to Monmouth, he's got your whole draft Rolodex. And why not now? It is, we're taping this on March 29th, but it's basically, I mean, opening day for baseballs here. It's basically draft month here inside one giant step in, in the NFL. Rick, let all the listeners know where we could get all of your information. I know you threw a lot of names at all of them here over the last half hour. They might be clicking the rewind button. Who was the guy Rick mentioned there? Where can they find everything? Spill it out for us. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Sean. Go to NFLDraftBible.com or the official NFL Draft content provider on Sports Illustrated. It'll take you right to the landing page there. Of course, at NFL Draft Bible on Twitter. And you mentioned the newsletter on Substack, which is really getting a lot of momentum. We've got some cool, unique stats, inside data. And, of course, we've always got our finger on the pulse, man. Year-round coverage of the NFL Draft, so buckle up. Gotta have it. It's such a weird time. Giant fans are caring about the draft, but the draft is now not the only priorities that have been for so many years drafting in the top 10. Rick, thanks so much, man. WFN and Odyssey's exclusive Giants podcast. One giant step. Uh, Rick, take care. Enjoy draft month. Thank you, brother. All right. Take care, everyone. And thank you. Listen, subscribe, download. One Giant Step everywhere podcasts are downloadable, including free on the Odyssey app. Subscribe, ding-a-ling-a-ling. That little chime comes in every time we post a new one. And, of course, check out WFAN's YouTube page for exclusive One Giant Step content. Thanks to our producer, James. Thanks to everyone for taking One Giant Step with us.